0: The question is, are we asking him, are we welcoming him today? Are we saying, fill us with your power, fill us with your presence? Is he our comforter? Is he our counselor? That's who our Jesus is. That is what the spirit of God is to us. He comforts us, he counsels us, he gives us wisdom, he fills us. You see, water quenches every thirst that we have. No matter how thirsty you are, no matter what you drink, apart from water, that quench, that thirst cannot be satisfied. So we must drink from that fountain. Yeah. That fountain that fills up, fills us. It fills us and quenches that thirst because you see, the, spirit, the water of the spirit reaches parts that nothing else can reach. So we need to rely on him at all times. We need to say to ourselves every morning, speak to ourselves and say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Once we are out of bed, our eyes are open in the morning, no matter what time it is. What we need to say is, welcome, Holy Spirit. And we need to ask him to fill us with his power, fill us with his presence. And we need to just confess that he is our comforter, he is our counselor. It is he that takes us through the day. And we need to ask him, remember to ask him for that water that quenches the thirst that is deep within us. The thirst that nothing else can reach, nothing else can touch, nothing else can relieve us of that thirst except the water of the spirit. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. Jesus is the one who's filled with grace. His grace envelops us. Wherever we go, in all that we do, we can't do it without his grace. His grace enables us. Grace, 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 every step that we take. Today we'll go on a short journey. There's a lot in there, but we will not read all of it. We'll get bits of it. You see, God called Abraham. Abraham listened. Not only did he listen, he heard. Because there is a type of listening that is purely listening. You listen, but you don't hear. Abraham heard. That kind of hearing is the hearing mixed with obedience. He heard, he obeyed, and he moved. He heard, he obeyed, he moved. Sometimes we hear, we listen, but we don't hear. We need to listen, we need to hear. It's the hearing that causes us to be obedient. Let's remember that and God called him out, he heard, he obeyed. He listened, he heard, he obeyed. So he moved out, moved to a place he didn't know. He didn't know where he was going. Can you imagine in this day and age, or you get on an airline, a plane for instance, you get to the airport, Mm, you don't know your destination, you just jump on the plane, and the pilot announces, okay, welcome everybody, can you fasten your seatbelts? We are off on a journey. He doesn't announce the destination. The ticket doesn't tell you the destination. How does it sound, how does it look? You don't know where you're going. Would you go? I bet most of us would quickly jump out because you don't know the destination. But you see, Abraham listened, he heard, and he obeyed. Even though he didn't know the destination. With God, you don't have to know the destination. It is he who moves you along. He tells you a little bit at a time. Do you see how he doesn't give you the full picture all at once? He gives you a little. All you need to know, he just gives you that snippet. You go and do, and then you wait for him. You wait for his next move. And as human beings, that is difficult for us, isn't it? Because we want to know. We are curious, we want to know. We want to know, I want to know where I'm going, I want to know what I'm doing. God doesn't operate that way, he says trust and obey. Can we trust and obey him? We need to work at that in our own strength. The flesh, our flesh doesn't allow us simply to do that. But when we are reliant on him, when we tap into him, that trust builds up. We need to learn to trust and obey. So Abraham came out of present day Iraq. An area called Padan Aram pulled him out, came to the land of Canaan. Today we'll take a journey we'll, that will take us back to Padan Aram. It's interesting. When God asks you to do something, we must all learn to do it because invariably what happens is if you don't do it, all that will happen is you're going to go around. And round until eventually he puts you right where he wants you to be. So you see, the very place you didn't want to go, he's going to take you right back there. Today's example will show us that Jacob, 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 the corn man, the corn artist, the best corn man around, was taken away from Canaan and had to go back to Padan Aran because of what he did. Jacob was a con artist. His mother, you see, sometimes things are generational and we wonder why. That's why we need to deal with things on a generational basis. His mother conned Isaac, Rebecca and Isaac. She conned Isaac to get Jacob to get the blessing rather than Esau, so that's, that's one. Jacob conned Esau. Jacob went back to Padan Aran. He went back to Rebekah's brother, who was called Laban. Today, my message is going to be about Laban and Jacob, two con artists. Who can now con each other? Who cons one more than the other? It's kind of interesting. Two con artists. I, sometimes I just marvel at this. When you put two con artists together, who's going to excel? Which of them is going to excel? You have to, they have to keep constantly outsmarting each other. They're kind of interesting people. So you see, I think it runs in the family. Rebecca conned Esau out of his blessing. He, she got Jacob to take that blessing. Rebecca's brother was a corn artist, number one. Her son was a corn artist himself. So he went back to his uncle, Laban, who conned him. And Jacob, in turn, conned his uncle. So who can outcon con their brother or their friend? It's kind of interesting. We'll look at that briefly. But the lesson here is, you see, Jacob had to go through that in order for God to use him. We'll see in the journey, God did certain things. He had to go through in order that certain things that were in him that were not in parallel, or actually, they were not in line with God's blessing over his life, had to come out. And this coming out meant that he had to go through certain things. He was conned and conned and conned. He, in turn, conned his uncle. But you see, eventually, he came to a place where he gave it all up and learned to rely on God when he fought the, when he fought the angel. He didn't give up. He said, I'll not let you go until you bless me. That's our Jacob. So we'll quickly read some of this. Can we turn to Genesis chapter 30, please? Genesis chapter 30. It's always good to start from, periodically it's good to go back to the beginning and work our way. And then when things come up, we go back to the beginning, work through it you see that Jacob has gone back to where Abraham started off. I think this is the plan of God. Take things out of him. Okay, let's start again. Take things out of him, bring him to the place I want him to be, make him who I want him to be. So if we go to Genesis chapter 30, can we look at verses 25 to 31? This is getting towards the tail end. Let me give you a brief, because I don't want us to read all that. You remember, Rebecca sent Jacob off to her brother Laban. And when Jacob went to Laban, he married Laban's children. He asked for the hand of Rachel, but the corn artist tricked him and instead gave him Leah. So he married Leah. And then he had to work an additional seven years to get the hand of Rachel, whom he Wanted, right? So he got the two, two wives he was looking for. So he worked 14 years for the two women, yeah? And after he had done that, he worked for Laban. And Laban was, at that time, wealth was, wealth was counted in terms of cattle and sheep. So he was a sheep farmer. He had sheep and goats, so he had lots of it. And um, Jacob worked for him, but of course, he calmed him. His wages were next to nothing and he came to an agreement with Laban that, okay, look, let's, I think there has to be fairness here, so let's do it this way. Speckled goats, striped goats, just doing this from memory, speckled goats, striped, striped goats, and then you would take the plain goats. Would that be correct? So let's read it and we'll get it right. Verse 30, chapter 30, verse 25, we'll start from there and work through. After Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me on my way so that I can go back to my own homeland. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you and I will be on my way. You know how much work I have done for you. But Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your eyes, please stay. I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Ah, You see the blessing here. When God blesses you, that blessing goes before you. It speaks out. People see the blessing of God over your life. So even this man here who wasn't of God, who didn't believe that, still saw the blessing of God over Jacob's life. You remember um, Isaac blessed Jacob? Isaac did bless Jacob, and those blessings had started taking effect. As, as soon as he had laid his hand on him, those blessings were beginning to manifest in his life. But he had to go through certain things for the full manifestation of ev- each and every one of those blessings. So we see here, Laban saying that indeed, he has been blessed because of Jacob. And he asked him, name your wages and I will pay them. Jacob said to him, you know how I have worked for you and how, and how your livestock have has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now, when, when may I do something for my own household? What shall I give you, he asked. Don't give me anything, Jacob replied, but if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep every dark colored lamb and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages, and my honesty will testify for me in the future. Whenever you check on the wages you have paid me, any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted or any lamb that is not dark colored will be considered stolen. Agreed, said Laban, but let it be as you have said. That same day, he removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted and all the speckled or spotted female goats, all that had white on them, and all the dark-colored lambs, and he placed them in the care of his sons. Then he put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob, while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. Jacob, however, took fresh-cut branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees, and made white stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Then he placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they mated in front of the branches and they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Jacob set apart from the young of the flock by themselves but made the rest face the streaked and colored and dark colored animals that belonged to Laban. Thus, he made separate flocks for himself and did not put them with Laban's animals. Whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals so that they would mate near the branches. But if the animals were weak, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones to Jacob. In this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and, servants and men servants and camels and donkeys. You see, then it says here, we'll quickly look at that, 31, we continue reading, that Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude towards him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives and I'll be with you. You see, so that. God is using the discomfort, or should I, would mistreatment be the right word? The discomfort in the home of Laban now, because his children were against Jacob, because they felt that Jacob was getting wealthy, a lot more wealthy than they were getting. But they're forgetting that before he came, they didn't, well, they had something, but they didn't have much. They, in turn, had been blessed because of the presence of Jacob. But now Jacob seemed to actually be more wealthy than they were and they were afraid that very soon he would overtake them and perhaps even take everything away from them. So what did they do? There was this resentment that built up. They didn't want him there. I believe God may have used that to get him to get ready to look at the picture, the true picture that he had placed before him the picture of him going back to Canaan because Jacob had an assignment. Don't forget that he would be the, 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 um, the beginning of God's chosen people. His, you remember when he had the encounter, which we shall come to soon, the encounter with the angel of God, where he fought, he wrestled. He was asked specifically, what is your name? You see, the, and he said Jacob. Jacob means what? Corn man, supplanter, thief. That was what his name was. But you see, God had placed a blessing over his life, a seed in his life. And that seed had to come to fruition. And for that to come to fruition, he had to put certain things in place. First thing he did was, he told him, nope, your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel. Israel. He changed his name. So that was the beginning of the turnaround for Jacob. After that name had been changed, he felt strong enough to face his brother Esau. Before then, he was so scared. You see, and even after this encounter, and even in spite of all the blessing, he still operated in that mentality, the mindset of the corn man, the corn artist. Instead of walking in the blessing, instead of dumping what or the carnal way of doing things, he still operated in that mindset, I've got to con this person, I've got to con them, I've got to do it this way, I've got to trick them. He had to, and to me, my understanding of this is, that wrestling that he wrestled with the angel of God was the beginning, it was another phase, the beginning of another phase for him. That was meant to bring out all those funny ways of thinking and funny ways of doing things and be reliant on God. Remember he said at the end of it, he would not let the angel go, he would not let the angel go until he blessed him. He persevered in spite of the fact that he couldn't defeat in the the wrestle match or bout, the angel of the Lord, he held on. You remember it did say that the angel touched his groin socket and put it out of joint in spite of that pain that limp he would still wouldn't let go he persevered in our own lives that's what god wants us to do in spite of the challenge in spite of the difficulties in spite of all the negativity around are we holding on are we persevering are we carrying on are we holding on to god and saying father Jesus, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you show me the way. I will not let you go until you go with me, until your presence goes with me. I will not let you go. Do we say that? Or do we just let go? Oh, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm going back to my old life. That's not what we are meant to do as children of God. We are supposed to carry on. We are supposed to persevere. We are supposed to hold on. We are supposed to tap into him. We are supposed to continue to look up to him and say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, go with me. I cannot do this without you. Let your presence go with me. And his presence will always go with us. His presence. His presence. Because you see, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. There are pleasures forevermore. In his presence, there is peace. In his presence, all things come together. They work together. You see, as we call upon him, and even in his presence, there is light. Because Jesus, his name is light. The name of Jesus is life. The name of Jesus breaks every stronghold. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. No other name but the name of Jesus. You see, as we walk with him, we need to trust him. Completely, totally, with our everything. Too many times we'll see that there'll be distractions. There'll be a reason not to trust. There'll be a reason not to hold on. But you see, is that reason what we're looking at? Or are we looking at Christ, our Savior? Are we looking at his promise, promises? Are we looking at that? Are we holding on to him? Or are we saying we can't persevere, we can't carry on, we can't keep fighting, we can't carry on, we can't keep looking to him? Because there's this distraction and there's that distraction. They've taken our eyes off the ball, they've taken our eyes off our Christ and they are distracting us, they are drawing us away from our Christ. Is that what's happening in our lives? When that does happen, We need to remember to turn back. Turn our eyes onto him. You know, there's that song that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus And look to his wonderful face And the things of the earth Will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. So when those distractions come, we need to remember this, the lyrics of the song. Sing it to ourselves. Sing, 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 sing. Praise, worship, praise, worship every day of our lives. Praise, worship Him. And you see, He dwells in our praises. As we praise and worship Him, You see, let's go back a bit. We need to come to the place where we create our own environments. Because the environment out there is hostile. So you need to create your own mini environment that immediately surrounds you. Forget all that is out there, yes, it's there. But immediately surrounding you, you have to create that aspect. We need to create that atmosphere. We need to build that atmosphere. The atmosphere of the presence of the Lord, that we actually feel his presence. So he's surrounding us, he's around us, he's in us, and he's taking us through the environment out there. And as we are in him, and he in us, we can go through. We will go through. One thing we all need to remember is we have no choice but to go through all that we see around us. But if we do it in our own strength, then we have a challenge, we have a problem. Because you see, very soon, we get distracted and we look at the issues, the challenges, and we say, ooh, I can't do that. You look at the enormity of the challenge how big it is but you see you're forgetting one thing we have a bigger God our God is much bigger than the challenge I'm not saying you need to deny the challenge the challenge is there and it looks real but there's something more real than that challenge that you see our God and our Lord He is real and he has said that he will never leave us he will never forsake us you see, and his promise is that he will go with us. He'll be with us at all times. You see, in Romans eight thirty one, it does say to, this clearly to us: What then shall we say to this? If God then be for us, who can be against us? Who? 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 Who is big enough? That's what he's saying to us: If God be for us, who can be against us? and if he be for us, then we can go through whatever challenge there is. We will face challenges, we will face issues, we will face difficulties. But the thing is, we must remember not to let those challenges overcome them, us. We need to overcome those challenges. We are overcomers as children of God. We are overcomers. Don't forget, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We are overcomers. So we shouldn't let challenges, difficulties overcome us. Yes, they will be there. I'm not saying they don't exist. Yes, they do. We see them with these eyes all the time. We hear things all the time. But the thing is, whose report will we believe? We need to... Hold on to what the word of God says. We need to believe the report of the Lord. His report says we are free. He set us free. His report says we are blessed and highly favored. His report says we are seated in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this age. That is what the report says. Do we believe that report, or do we simply believe the issues and challenges that we see us, because they're real, we can see them with these eyes. But there's something more real than what we see with the eyes. Things that we cannot see with the natural eyes are more real than the things that we see with these eyes. Don't forget, in the first instance, we, like God, are trapper beings. That's, we are spirit, we are soul, we are body. It's not the other way around, the body doesn't come first. Before we're born again, yes, it's our body that we consider first, isn't it? That's first, I must satisfy my body, this is what my body says, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. But when we're born again, when we believe in our Christ, it's turned on its head and there is that shifting where the spirit takes preeminence, the spirit becomes the first. So our spirit man, our soul, then our bodies. So we need to remember that. And in the spirit realm, because there is the spiritual realm, and that is more real than the natural that we see. So we need to hold on to the one who has created all these things, and who has told us these things. And you see, if he's told us, then, and if we believe him, then we have to confess what he said, what his word says. We have to hold on. And we need to confess what he's told us over the situation or challenge that we see on a daily basis. Those challenges are there. They are real. They exist. And to go through them, to overcome them, we need power behind us. We need power in us. We need power around us, not in our own strength, not any man's strength. We can't rely on any human being. Do, Am I, maybe I'm alone on this. You cannot rely on any human being. Human beings always fail, they fail you. Maybe some sitting here have never had anybody fail them. No human being has failed you. I have had people and things disappoint me several times. You see, and we are not to rely on that. We are to rely on our God. Because you see, our God never fails. He never fails, no matter the challenge. He doesn't fail. He is not saying that we will not go through issues. Those issues and challenges will come our way and they will fight us every day. But then, whose report do we believe? We need to believe the report of the Lord. Jacob, 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 Jacob struggled with the angel of the Lord. You see, before he met that the angel, he divided his family, he, his family had become large. Interestingly, he went as a single human being, went into Padan- Aran, where Abraham started from. And because of the blessing over him, he gained wealth, came out with wealth back into Canaan, back into his destiny, back into what God had already planned, what God had already prepared, he came with the wealth. You see, we can, this can be on a parallel with, hmm, let's say, how the Israelites went into Egypt. They went poor, they went struggling, they went suffering, Jacob, had become prime minister, God had set somebody up so that they would be blessed. God had used Laban, the corn artists, for Jacob to get his blessing. God used Joseph in Egypt for the Israelites to get their blessing. They went in poor, God brought them out wealthy. They came out with the wealth of Egypt, didn't they? They came out of Egypt with the wealth of Egypt. That's what God does. So you see, he didn't prevent them from going through or going into the challenge. He didn't stop them from actually going through the struggle or the suffering they had to go through. But he had a purpose. In all that, there was a plan. There was a master plan. God always has a master plan. He always does. And the, the, the challenge with us, I can talk for myself, I can't talk for anybody else. The challenge with me is that sometimes we want to see the whole picture, don't we? We want to know everything, the start, the middle, the end. We want to know that. That's a natural thing. But God doesn't work that way. He'll just give you snippets. He'll tell you, go here, do this. He'll just show you something small. And then it's done And you're thinking, you're marking time. All right, done it. What next? Okay. And you see, that's where the challenge is. Sometimes, after that has happened, we think God has forgotten us. Oh, uh, maybe God has forgotten. Let me help God.
1: We like helping him, don't
0: we? Let me help God. And then we go off and do things on our own. And it becomes difficult. There is a challenge with what we go out to do on our own. And as it's not part of God's plan, he works to get it out of you. So you find that you're stuck for a while or you go around in circles for a bit. You just keep going around until you're ready to let go. Then he puts you back where he wanted to be in the first place. So you see, why waste time? You'd have saved yourself, or let me talk about myself. I would have saved myself a lot of trouble and bother by simply sitting and waiting, or looking up to him and waiting. Lord lead me, Lord show me. And sometimes he's quiet. And that's the difficulty. He is quiet. We can't stand that silence. We can't stand that waiting period. Because he says, wait. When is that? All it simply means is we need to wait. But we're not people who want to wait, are we? No, 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 no. Look at the way we lead our lives. Everything is instant, isn't it? Um, We can't even wait to cook properly. We want the shortcut. The quickest and easiest way to cook the food, to get the food ready so we can eat. There we go, or even go for a takeaway. There we go, you see? We go for a takeaway. That's the human nature, isn't it? But you see, to get the best, we need to have it prepared properly, layer by layer. We need to build things up, precept upon precepts. That's what we need to do, building up graduals, layer by layer, step by step. All we want to do is there, straight up, rather than layer, layer, layer. You see, by doing that, layer, layer, that layered attitude, that layered mentality, that layered way of building, we get a stronger foundation. You get that solid foundation and you, you can stand on it and then you can move forward. Whereas if it was jumping to the top, you don't know what sort of foundation is it's there. Can that foundation hold? Will it anchor you? when the storms come, when the wind blows, when contrary winds blow, will that foundation that you're standing on, that layer that you're standing on, will it it hold? Will it continue to support you? That's what we need to ask ourselves. That's why we need to rely on him. You see, so he took the Israelites in poor, worked on them, they went through struggles, but he brought them out with blessing he brought them out to a land filled with blessing. So you see, he gave them blessing all around. They came out with wealth. They went to, into a land filled with blessing. They walked into promise. And that's what God has said for each and every one of us. I don't know why I say us. I need to talk to myself. That's what God has said. That I need to, rem- to remember. You see, because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he says, I'm blessed and highly favored. I confess that every day. I'm blessed. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich and adds no sorrow. You see, we may go through the water. We may, as Psalm 66 says, we may go through the water. We may go through the fire. But he brings us out to our wealthy place. So he does not say that we will not go through difficulties or challenges. But the thing in our lives is, can we hold on during those challenges? Or do we just give up and say, ah, oh, no, I can't do this anymore. This is hard. I know sometimes we really want to emphasize something that's difficult instead of saying it's hard. It's hard, just to show that it's really challenging. But you see, we have a God who is capable of breaking that hardness he's capable of doing it breaking it to bits he will take you right through in his power you see he's the one who spoke to the wind peace be still can you imagine a storm raging around everyone he was asleep what did Peter say do you not care they were asking him do you not care he created them what is he afraid of Of course he cares. He knew that it would do them no harm. It would not destroy them. When he spoke up, just for their sake, all he said was peace be still. I'm just beginning to picture this. He must have woken up, stood up, with his sleepy eyes maybe, not quite fully awake. He looked at the situation, what's this? Peace be still, and probably just, in a very casual way, peace be still. He wouldn't come out and say, Peace be still. He doesn't need to do that. You see, his word is power. He just has to speak it. He doesn't have to shout. He just has to speak it. Peace be still. That's all he needs to do. And it will obey. It will obey. Every situation. You see, everything that happens around us, everything has an ear. Ooh. What did Ben say? Yes, it's not controversial, it's true. Everything has an ear, everything can hear, and everything can be commanded. You can speak to situations, you can speak to issues. And when there's the power of God behind those words, when the word of God is part, is mixed with those words, those situations, those issues, those challenges have no choice but to obey It's not you and the individual that they're obeying, but the word of the Lord. They have no choice but to obey. All Jesus said was, peace, be still. He didn't come, stretch forth and say, peace, hey, peace. No. All he said was, peace, be still. And there was total stillness. That is the power of our God. He created everything. He created all. I'm struggling right now, because you see, I've prepared my message, and I've totally moved away from that message. Why, I don't know. What I'm saying to you now is not what I've prepared here. I started talking about it, and then now I'm talking about something else. Why, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, and that's the way God works, so I'm not going back to this, because I cannot. Because I don't want to be arrested further by the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know where those were, honestly, I don't know where those words came from. I've got my message here, and I started talking about it. I read the scripture, I started talking about it. Then it shifted to another, I, sorry, I can't explain that. So. I just can't explain it but you see that's how our God works that's how our God works and (laughs) Jesus 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 oh glory yes you are Lord indeed oh Jesus no other God but you Jesus Jesus thank you thank you thank you for your word We glorify you, we magnify you, we lift up your name. There's no God like Jehovah. Oh, glory be to your name. No God like Jehovah. Oh, Lord, yes, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you move and live in us. Through you, we have our lives, oh, Lord. Work on us. Work on us, Holy Spirit. Be with us, guide us, bless us and keep us. Oh, this morning, we come to you and say, Lord, let this word that you have brought to us, Make a difference in our lives. Let it change us. Let it take us to the place that you want us to be. Let us walk in your light. Let your word continue to be a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path that we may see clearly the way in which to go. Lord, not our way, but your way. There's no other way, oh Lord, my God, but your way. And there's no other name that we can hold upon, hold on to. No other name but the name of Jesus. Oh, we glorify you. Oh, fill us even as we come to you this morning. Fill us, oh Lord, my God. Refresh us poured upon us a fresh anointing, a freshness, a newness, O Lord my God.